Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I'm speaking with Tess Brigham. I invited Tess to the podcast to share her expert insights on the challenges young adults are uniquely facing during these unprecedented times. Tess specializes in helping millennials discover their unique life path. She is a vital resource for those who may be feeling stuck, uninspired, or uncertain by where they are in life. She brings her experience within the worlds of psychotherapy and coaching together to work with young adults on relationships, mental health, and career development. She has written the Quarter Life Crisis Handbook and has been featured in Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, USA Today, NBC, and more. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer, Tess. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so good to have you here. And you have been so busy out doing your thing and helping <laughs> so many people. Congratulations on all of your hard work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's that typical thing. You're bebopping along and, and just go, go, go. And there's always so much more to do that you're right. It's good to stop and reflect and say, okay, I've done a lot. How can young adults address overwhelm and pandemic fatigue? Because it is real. Mm -hmm. And no matter what the screens are saying, and no matter how we're supposedly on the other side of this, right? (laughs) Depending on who Mm -hmm. who you're listening to, the struggle is real. And I see it in my daughter and I see it in other young people in my community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's it. And, and I think that, you know, I don't know if you watch Saturday Night Live, but last Saturday, it was uh, a comedian by the name of Jared Carmichael, who I had just discovered recently, who apparently has been around for a long time. And they did a skit about, it was basically a Jeopardy-like skit, but it was, how is your brain functioning now? And so, <laughs> you know, they bring out like a picture of a wheelbarrow and they're like, name this thing. And, you know, none of the contestants can name it. One of the questions is like, start a conversation with somebody. Jared Carmichael, his character says, set the clock ahead so you're not living so long. Oh my, <laughs> so oh my gosh, right? And I thought that was so, it was such an interesting skit. It was so profound on so many levels because they really captured that feeling. I think that we all have around just brains being fried and yeah, is that a wheelbarrow? And that same thought of (laughs) how do I start a conversation with someone? What does that look like again? How do I do this? How do I get back to it? Hopefully anybody who watched that knows, I think anytime that you're talking about any of these things, it really starts, it's very important to start off by just validating your experience, validating how normal it feels because it is normal. This is how we're all feeling. We see it on the news, we see what's happening in the world today. Something like last year in 2021, TSA had the highest incident of violence ever. Right. You know, against oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it goes on and on. So the the overwhelm is real, the feelings are real. It is all very real and true. It's not you. Because we live in a culture of hashtag hustle of go, 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 be something big, 30 under 30, all of that. And my clients feel that too. And here we are two years into this feeling more fatigued, more fried, more exhausted than I think, I don't know about you, ever. I was out this past weekend with my daughter and we 
decided to go to this botanical garden to see their butterfly exhibit. Every year they do this and there's just incredible, gorgeous butterflies flitting about and you're in this wonderful place with orchids and flowers and birds and butterflies, right? And we, it didn't even occur to either one of us how many people would be there. Mm. It was our first experience in two years of having to wait in lines, of being shoulder to shoulder for longer than either of us were comfortable with. By the time we got to the third line, my, my daughter was starting to have a panic attack. And luckily I know how to help her with that and she knows how to help herself with that. And she moved through it beautifully, thankfully, and quickly. And we finally got to the sanctuary and we could spread out and we could breathe again and we could mm. fe you know, feel a little bit better about it. But what we realized after the fact was we had just thrust ourselves mm. into this pot of boiling water, right? You know? yeah. <laughs> just like neither of us had a pre-plan. Neither of us realized what we were getting ourselves into. We're both grateful that we went. But we realized that we we're so out of practice and there were some things that we could have done probably to, to prepare ourselves a little bit better. So that story kind of came up for me when, when you were talking about the, mm -hmm. the overwhelm and, the, and just not really knowing how to function like we used to because yeah. everything's so different. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the, right, that we don't see two years as being that long. Well, two years, what's two years? But it, it's enough time for our wiring to change, for us to feel, and, and I think the thing that's not being talked about as much, I think we're talking about the more of the surface things of like how we're reacting. What we don't understand that's happening for us is our brains have been in this heightened state of anxiety, this heightened state of awareness and anxiety and on edge day in, day out for any extended period of time will affect you. Yeah. change you. Yeah. We know, you know, now that we can study brains, we know so much more about what's happening. We understand about how childhood trauma affects adults. You know, one traumatic event in your life can change the course of your life. There is something about that. People who live in environments where it's just it, every day, you're not quite sure what's it going to look like? How is it going to be? Is it safe to leave my house? Is it safe to do this? Is it safe to do that? Just all of the thinking that we have to do mm -hmm. to, to do something that used to be very routine for us. And also right in the middle of so much divisiveness on top mm -hmm. of that. Yes. So now you're not only navigating what you're thinking, living in your own brain, <laughs> but trying to also navigate this, this person's point of view and this person's point of view. And there, and there doesn't seem any, to be any soft middle there, right? Mm -hmm. It is really difficult because when you think about your example of the going to the botanical gardens, there is that piece of it's good to go to the botanical gardens. It's good to see the butterflies, right? It's mm -hmm. like that was a good trip to take. And it sounds like in the end, you got what you needed. The benefit outweighed, right? That initial anxiety, but it's that initial fear right? That people fear that, that is keeping them from doing those things. And at the same time, if you really haven't been out that much, going to a situation like that, where you're waiting in line and you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder and all of that, that's a 
the, exactly what you said. It's like jumping into, you know, hot boiling water. It's jumping into the deep end. That's the, the other part too that I, I see and I, I feel it myself and I see it with my clients, which is, okay, so should I just, that's it, just go out and just be and do and, and, and just try to get back to that? Or, or do I take these baby steps or do I do this? All of these choices that we're so used to making in a split second now become these much bigger choices and much bigger things that we're doing. And so that contributes to the overwhelm. If you really take a step back and you look at all the layers of the day in, day out feeling of being on edge with, okay, now there's all these half, you know, all these things that I need to do, going back to the office, seeing friends, I need to do all these things. These are good for my mental health. So let me go do them all. Oh God, they're making me feel even more anxious. Now I'm even more tired, right? Now my relationships with people become difficult. Trying to interact with people, oh God, that's even harder. And so you can see how these layers upon layers of things have gotten people to this place of overwhelm and almost like a hiding, right? Well, they yeah, and making, and making their lives so much smaller mm -hmm. because it's safer or because it's just not worth the effort. This whole month, Ananga and I are talking about how anxiety can make your life small and, yes. how, and what you can do to, to bust out of that so that you don't stay safe on the island of your bed <laughs> when you're when you're not at work or when you're not doing the the handful of things that you allow yourself to do each day. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we address it? Where where do we begin? It's normalizing it, validating it, and then it's really taking a step back and because we're all very different and what I encourage my clients to do is, okay, you can take in the information from the outside world. You can social media and the internet and blogs and podcasts, all of that. Take in all the information that you're hearing, but really the best thing that you can do for yourself is take a moment and stop and really think about where you are today. What does your life look like today? And what are some small steps that you can start to take? to start to integrate yourself back into and back into the things that you enjoy doing. In the psychology world, there's different ways of looking at this, right? There's this idea of exposure therapy or what they call the hierarchy of difficulty. Um, and then there's other, you know, that feel like we should take small baby steps towards the things that scare us. There are other people that believe in, you know, just jumping into the deep end and figuring out how to swim and it'll be really difficult at first, but once you're okay, you're okay. All of these things. But I really always come back to the individual and asking yourself, and this requires you to stop and get quiet and ask yourself, what is it that I really need right now? What is it that I'm craving? What is it that I'm needing? What is making me feel overwhelmed? What isn't making me feel overwhelmed? Where I can begin? a general self-assessment around what feels like the next right step for me. And depending on that, I mean, again, everyone has different situations. I think if you're someone who is now having to go, if you're going back to work and you feel like that is super overwhelming, then I would say, okay, that's the thing that you're going to focus on. Just focus on going back to work. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to try to also see people all weekend, every weekend and do this over here, do that over here. Just really start to find these small things that you can start to do. I was just reading the book Burnout, which is such a great book. And what they were talking about is, you know, the science behind what motivates people to do things. And we understand, we've heard about negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement, but 
One thing that we don't talk a lot about is what motivates us to do things. If you are motivated by a reward at the end of it, that's very different than being motivated by someone chasing you, I guess. Yeah, totally, you know? totally. So what we really need to think about is what's my motivation for doing this thing? So um, is it do I feel like I am being, and I would say as individuals, right, do I feel like I'm being pushed? That, that is, is the forces that are, that are making me do this, are they coming at me and pushing, 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 pushing me and making me feel like I got to keep moving forward or they're going to run after me? Or am I doing it for a specific reward, a specific thing? So what I would do is I would really think about what are the things that I, you know, what are the things that I want to do? What are the things that are going to enhance my life? that I want to do, where I can create a particular reward for myself at the end of it, you know, versus the things that people are pressuring you to do. Because I think that we hear a lot about, you know, go on a walk every day and then go do this and then go do that and then call a friend, you know, all of these little things. And I think what's really important is for you to figure out what is it that you want to do and, and start doing that piece of it and yeah. small incremental steps. Yeah, it's got to be, you know, I think just small incremental steps that, that you take every day and then you reward yourself and feel good about it. And then the next day you get up and you do it again and you just push yourself a little bit farther. And I like the idea of a reward for taking a step forward. I think that a lot of our listeners forget about that. And it is incredibly helpful to have that carrot something mm -hmm. that you're striving for. And again, it, apparently this is the day I share uh, stories about my daughter, but when school opened up again, because everything was online, she went off to school for the first time and the pandemic hit and she was in her apartment by herself for a year. Mm. You know, oh, that's God. just not cool. Yeah. Going back into an environment after having a year of not doing that, she followed the steps that you mentioned that this is what I'm going to do. And in the meantime, I'm going to let my professors know where I'm at and that this is tough, but I'm going for it. But I also need your support because mm -hmm. there might be times when, and th these young people, yes, they're resilient, but good heavens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's one thing that drives me a little crazy about, they're talking about this. They'll show the stats, right? They'll show the stats of how the pandemic has impacted young people much more than people my age and older, right? but we don't talk enough about what it's like to be a young person and spend the last couple years of high school missing prom, missing graduation, missing these really, really vital moments in time, these moments of celebration of you. And then for those who are in college, again, the same cycle continued, like missing your last year of college, missing that graduation. I have clients who had started jobs in the pandemic. They've never met anybody <laughs> that they yeah. work with in yeah. person and how difficult that is. I, we saw people who had, had decades of experience struggle with the remote working. And so here you are 22, 23, first job right out of college, right out of school. And you're being challenged and tasked with being on your own. And what isn't talked about is how often my clients will be, you know, in a zoom meeting and then the zoom meeting ends. And what people forget is they're alone. They're kind of like, well, okay, so what do I do now? 
right? Or w- what's the next step, or how does that look? And well, and there's so much. There's they're lonesome too. There's yeah. oh, there's yeah. so much loneliness that is a part of it as well. Yes, mm. and even even for those who maybe are more introverted and don't have tons of friends, like that feeling of isolation when the Zoom meeting ends and you're alone and mm-hmm. what do I do now? Yeah. Whether it's socially, whether it's in work, how that affects you as a person. What I'm always encouraging my clients, because I think there's a tremendous amount of outside noise, white noise in the world these days, right? Now that everyone has a platform, everyone's got an opinion. <laughs> everyone <laughs> wants to tell you what they did and how they did it, or they're going to give you advice, or they're going to tell you this, or they're going to tell you that. Well, I want young people to understand that what's really important is the decisions that you make really need to come from you and what you think is best for you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be the thing you don't, if you pick something and it doesn't quite work the first time, doesn't mean that you don't know yourself. This is such a first step of, I think what it means to be an adult, which is really stopping and saying, okay, there's all this stuff out here that telling me what to do. What is it that I want to do? What makes sense for me? How do I want to handle this? Even if you're saying to yourself, well, really what makes sense for me is to hide under my covers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say that, okay, yeah. And, and what else? Yes. You want to hide. And what else do you want to do? You're always wanting to kind of think about this of, of doing things that I call scary, but doable. Feels doable, feels like you can do, but it's making you slightly uncomfortable. And that's how you push past the anxiety. It's just little moments of discomfort to get to, to finally then get to the other side. And then you're like, oh, wow, I did this thing three times now. Yeah. Getting easy. And it's it's so much to celebrate too, because you can see that I did it. I can do it. I can do hard things. Now what? Let's take the, the next step. And what does that look like? Yes. Something else I wanted to talk with you about is tips for managing impulsiveness. This is definitely a challenge for young adults, but as a not so young adult, (laughs) I have noticed during this time that I am more impulsive than I was before. Mm. And I'll use Amazon as an example or online purchases during the pandemic as an example. All of a sudden I needed to be a part of these boxed meals showing up and mm. connecting with another company to to get all of the supplies I needed and all of these things so that I wouldn't have to go out. It felt very smart. These are ways I can cut back on being out in the world at this time. But then I started to realize that I was very impulsive about some of what I was buying or what things I didn't really even need. And almost, <laughs> almost like I was re-nesting or re-armoring mm. or whatever <laughs> it, it, during the time. And so since then, of course, I have rolled all of that back. But I also noticed the impulsiveness place of just like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this. And then mm-hmm. not a whole lot of thought put into that. What, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, what's so hard about it is when you think about decision-making is, is that, right, like there's, there's a certain amount of impulsiveness that we need right? Because I would always like the opposite of impulsiveness is this analysis paralysis in a sense, right? Getting stuck of like you sitting in front of the computer and every day looking at the meals and then looking at the meals and looking, right? And like, maybe I'll do it today. So like everything else in life, there's a, there's a balance, there's a balance for it. And um, so everyone, and everyone has different ideas of, of, for themselves, like, what does it look to be impulsive? But 
I would say that you've acknowledged that you're impulsive. And the best thing that you can do is try to backtrack a little if you can. And this is why awareness is so important. Um, backtrack a little bit of what triggers the impulsiveness. You know, it's a little bit of what was happening before you or a few steps before you made the purchase or what was happening that morning or what was happening the night before. Really trying to understand for yourself, where is this coming from? In this example, where this is coming from, in my opinion, and from my experience is an increased amount of screen time. Mm. Being on the computer more sends you down a rabbit hole sometimes that we've all been there depending on what it is you might be reading or researching or shopping for. <laughs> and I had far less screen time before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I know younger people have even more screen time than I've ever had in, in many cases. And so that for me was what came up as, oh, oh okay, we need to be mindful of, of the screen time because with more screen time comes more promotions, more ads, more clicks, more what's that? Ooh, I need that. Ooh, that's beautiful. How about that? Blah, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. So if you can, so if you can really identify what that is, that's the issue to be addressed, right? And it sounds mm -hmm. like for you, really, okay, it's the screen time. I'm on so, so many more screens. So how do I address knowing that you have to be on screens for a certain amount of this? How do I reduce the amount of screens that aren't necessary for work or for life in any way, shape, or form? And then I think it's also really trying to understand what's the emotion, what's the feeling, what was I trying to get or achieve by, by this? And what is it that I feel like I'm needing, right? Because anytime we do something impulsive and anytime we do something that really out of in that place, it's, it's really coming from some need that needs to be filled, mm -hmm. some feeling. And then if you trace that back even more, and, if, and even if you can't really even say like, I don't know what the feeling is, I don't know what the emotion is, then go back to the basics. And this is across the board with any issue that you have, go back to the basics. How are you eating? How are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. how, how much are you working? Are you getting out of the house? Are you exercising? Are you, and it doesn't even have to be strenuous exercise. Are you getting fresh air? That kind of thing. I know it sounds really boring, but it is really, really important because when we don't get enough sleep, when we're not eating well, when we're not getting enough, our bodies moving around, if we're not getting vitamin D, all of that affects how we think, mm -hmm. how we rationalize, all of those pieces, how we rationalize decisions. So even if you can't understand where the impulse is coming from, then really think back to what's the, how am I doing with the basics of life? And am I taking care of myself in that way? If you do something impulsively, this is the thing about choices and decisions that we make. There are no right or wrong decisions. There are just the decisions that we make based on the information that's right in front of us. If you've done something impulsive and it feels like, oh my God, this is the end of my life, there is a way to change it and do it differently, right? It sounds like for you and the meals that you bought, well, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop the subscription and eat the meals and probably not do this again. But one thing that I see a lot with my clients is there's this, this impulsiveness and then there's this panic of, oh my gosh, I've just done this thing that can't be corrected or can't change. Right. 
and and then going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, how could I be so stupid? How could I have spent all that money? Blah, blah, blah. Exactly, exactly. You made a decision. You're impulsive. We've all been there. And what being an adult is recognizing it, owning it, correcting it. Exactly. After the break, we will come back and dive into a little bit about maintaining healthy boundaries. I think that's a, a good place for us to head to next. The Anxiety Slayer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. When I'm stressed, I get tension headaches and can be really hard on myself and others. Thankfully, I know how to alleviate stress on my own, but sometimes I need extra support. When my daughter went off to college at the beginning of the pandemic, I was super stressed and I worked with a BetterHelp therapist and received wonderful support from a trained professional who was perfectly suited to help me navigate through my situation. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Anxiety Slayer listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash slayer. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash slayer. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about managing impulsiveness. And now we're going to dive into setting and maintaining healthy boundaries. This is such an important topic for all of our listeners, how to set and maintain healthy boundaries. What do you have for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first and foremost, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what are, you know, what are boundaries? What does it look like? What is it when you set a limit and set a boundary? Because one thing that I hear a lot is, okay, well, I've set all these boundaries. And and the thing is, it's one thing to set a boundary. It's another thing to stick to it. We're very good at setting boundaries. We're not great with sticking with them. A boundary is this invisible line that you draw with the people in your life around something that is really important to you or critical to your mental health or just something that you would prefer, that kind of thing. Sometimes boundaries, sometimes we tell people our boundaries. This is, you know, we don't use the word boundary, but we tell people what's going on. Other times we have boundaries that we never talk about. It's just that what we say yes to and what we say no to aligns with that boundary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what's really hard when you're young is, is that you're really still trying to figure out who you are, what you want, what life's all about. I think that when I see young people, a big part of what they're trying to do is figure out as they're trying to figure out who they are, they're also trying to figure out, okay, so if this is who I am, or this is what I believe, what are the boundaries that I need to set around the people around me? And if you're someone who tends to be a people pleaser, if you're someone who really, someone who's like, well, I'm the get along to get along person. I'm the laid back guy. I'm this person. I'm that person. This is who I've always been. And so therefore I'm not the one to demand or say no to people. And I think a lot of times our identities can get wrapped up in these identities that we've created for ourselves when we're kids. And the thing is, is that you were a kid. 
sometimes we are we're the get along person because that's what you needed to do in high school to just kind of get through it and it, it's what worked and it's what worked because of your parents and your family and your childhood any of that but now that you're an adult and now that you're on your own it's your time now to say okay maybe i don't want to be that person anymore maybe i don't want to be the yes person i don't want to be that person who's always jumping in to save other people that's draining me it's making me anxious it's it's affecting my mental health so i'm going to stop doing that and just that simple act of of that it takes a long time to get there because <laughs> that's oh, the thing yeah. right that process it takes some time and it takes having experiences to understand it but once you've identified a boundary that you want to set it's really about holding firm and sticking with the boundary even makes the other person uncomfortable and even if it makes you slightly feel uncomfortable having to say no to this but boundaries are our way of telling people this is how i want to be treated if you want people to respect your time part of that is you have to set a boundary around your time and what you're willing to do or not do and stick with it even when that other person gives you that look or that face or whatever it is it's it's really about sticking to it and you know this as a parent it's one of the hard it's one something that happens a lot of time in parenting it's exhausting it's so hard oh yeah to do because you oh, see yeah. your kid in their little face and you're like i really don't want to have to set this boundary but i know this is what is best for you yeah in the long run and it and it's incredibly hard so then have to do that on your own is even harder it does take practice Mm -hmm. And as a parent, yeah, there's nobody else like a child that can, that can test those boundaries. Yes. That's yes. what they're they're That's what they're here to do. <laughs> yes. And that's the lesson <laughs> they're here to teach us. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, well, I love that. I'd like you to choose a, a favorite technique or two that can help shift an anxious mindset. My favorite is, and the one I, I always have my clients start with is mindfulness. Mindfulness or some, some form of meditation, something that you do on a regular basis where you shut everything down, everything, and you simply close your eyes and you work on simply noticing your breath. Inevitably, a thought will come in like, oh, what am I going to eat for dinner later? And you're going to practice seeing that thought and letting that thought go. Don't judge it. A lot of times people think, oh, I've got a mindfulness practice or meditation. I'm going to have to sit on a pillow for 20 minutes a day. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm talking a minute, two minutes, three minutes, because what that is doing for you, we tend to live in the future or the past. People who struggle with anxiety are really living in the future, the what could happen, what if, and then this happens and what's going to happen. And the thing is, is that really, right? The only thing we can control is what's happening in the present moment. The best way to understand and manage your anxiety and your emotions in general is to really understand what's happening for you in real time. And the only way to really understand what's happening for you in real time is to learn how to practice being present mm -hmm. in real time, right? Because we're always so busy running from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And then by the end of the day, we're like, God, I'm exhausted. And why did I yell at my kid? And why did I get upset with my boss about that? And what happened there? And oh God, that was a crazy reaction to that. We're kind of piecing things together like a movie, right? Like this happened, then happened. And what you want to learn how to do is really understand what's happening for you of, 
oh, well, I'm feeling really anxious this morning. Okay. Why is that? Well, part of that is I didn't get enough sleep last night, or I'm really worried about this presentation that I'm giving. What's worrying me about it? Well, it's this, just spending that time, just learning how to get more in touch with who you are in the present moment is, is really, really important. There's all of the tips that we see in terms of what I said, sleep and eat and not drinking too much caffeine and not drinking too much alcohol and and all of those things that really contribute to anxiety. You have to play a little bit of a feelings detective and try to understand what's spurring this on, where is this feeling coming from? And I think the biggest part of it too is what I always want my clients to do is I want them to just when they come up against something that's making them anxious, it's asking yourself, well, what's in my control and what's out of my control? Yes, yes, yes. So everything that's out of your control, push that aside. You can't deal with that. And every time a thought like comes in, well, what if this happens? Well, I have no control over that. So I I can't worry about that. This is what I have control over. So this is what I'm going to focus on and deal with. And sometimes there's nothing to be done with the things that you have control over. So you have to sit with the uncertainty. And it's just learning how to sit with that the best that you can. And I think that's the part about being young. That's really hard is like, this is the first time they've been through it. They don't have any trust that they're going to get through it because they haven't gotten through it before. And in the meantime, there's so many opinions about what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And there's this hive mind and then going on TikTok or going on Mm -hmm. Instagram to figure out what's happening with X, Y, or Z. And then there's all of these opinions coming at you and so much distraction that that mindfulness piece, that taking a, a minute or two or three minutes to just check in isn't happening or it's happening so little that no wonder you're feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. Because again, where are you in, in all of this? And I'd like to invite our listeners to not let anyone else live inside their head, to try and be mindful and carve out that time to get to know what truly is calling to them and to get to the bottom, like you said, to be the feelings detective. I love that. To know where to go from here. And all of these things are, they're all easier said than done. And it's all, it's all a process. And there is a certain amount of just trust, trust that wherever you are, you will figure it out. You will get through, you will survive this. It's the optimist in me. And I know pessimists probably find this so irritating, (laughs) but to me, I feel like the only way to get through life is to have some level of trust and to believe that things are less. Mm -hmm. There is some lesson, all the, any kind of difficulty that you, you struggle with. There's a lesson to be learned in that. Sometimes things happen to us that are completely out of our control. We did nothing wrong. They happen to us. We really have a choice. Like how do we decide to deal with them? What's the story we tell ourselves about this particular situation? You've got to process it and understand it, but you've also got to figure out what am I going to take with this? What am I going to do with this? And how am I going to make this something that I can carry with me and take with me to be a happier, healthier me in the future? Yes. And and to leave the rest behind, to digest the rest so that you're not carrying around or accumulating these backpacks full of shame and suffering mm-hmm. and worry and and what's next and and that trust piece is so huge to learn to trust yourself yes you like trust you i mean that's you, that's yes. the part that's so important is because i know a lot of people right talk about putting their faith in god and, and which is fine and putting your faith in the universe 
but at the but it's really about you yes you 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 you've got to trust yourself that you can figure this out and you will tess thank you so much i'm so grateful that you spent some time with me today for the anxiety slayer podcast and shared so many good tips and stories you are such a treasure and i'm really grateful for your time well thank you so much thank you so much for having me i appreciate it you can learn more about tess brigham and get a copy of the quarter life crisis handbook at tessbrighamcoaching.com <laughs>